Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. So Julian Casablancas from The Strokes has an entirely different band called The Voids, and they're about to come out with their second album called Virtue. It's due March 30th, and today I'm going to play an interview I did not long ago with Julian and two of his bandmates, one dude named Beardo and another dude named Jake but to talk briefly about just the history of this band I have in the studio, my colleague Patrick Doyle. Hey, Patrick. Hey. So you did our first and so far only story on Julian and the Voids. Just yeah. can you tell us sort of quickly just why does this band exist? How did it come to exist? What's the deal here? Well, the Strokes got famous when they were very young, um, you know, in their early 20s. And they were a phenomenon and they started the whole garage rock Renaissance with the white stripes and the vines, and it was a real moment in time. But it fell apart pretty quickly. I th- around 2006, they did uh, First Impressions of Earth, which was a great album, but then they took a long break. Julian put out a solo record. And the Strokes still play. They still play festivals. They're a huge live act, but they don't make music as much as a lot of their fans want them to. But Julian's still a you know real creative guy. But this is he made this band The Voids and went in the complete opposite direction from what the Strokes are known as, which is you know real catchy raw rock and roll. And this is like over the top. He's listening to world music. He's listening to heavy metal and punk. It's sort of a, a mix of all these crazy genres that he's putting together and he got these guys that he knew from LA Beardo who played with Kesha briefly and then Jeff Kite who uh, plays bass and he was in on Julian's solo record the drummer Alex uh, he is in Wolf Mother and he was a Nine Inch Nails touring drummer so it's just a a lot of rock and roll uh, it's kind of like lifers. hipster LA session guys yeah I hope Beardo won't be mad at me for describing him that way, but that's my kind of my impression. Yeah. And Julian's really excited and engaged in this band, and he takes it very seriously. And it, and it used to be called Julian Casablancas in The Voids, and now it's called The Voids. And they have a, a new single. Well, one of their new singles is called Curious. And at the beginning of this interview, we talk about that. So let's hear that song, which is pretty wild, and then we'll go straight into my interview with Julian Casablancas and The Voids. Maybe you guys, for the sake of the listeners at home, can go around and say who you are and what you do in the band. Hey, it's uh, it's Jules and formerly Julian Casablancas of the. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my name's Jake, and I play bass, guitar, and synthesizers. My name is Beardo, and I play guitar. So you guys have a new album uh, called Virtue coming out, and I've been lucky enough to hear it. There's a couple singles that we've heard so far, and uh, one of them in particular has, I think, blown people's minds somewhat. The vocal stuff that that's going on in that song, and where the sounds came from, the writing of it, the recording of it, how, how did all that work? I'm asking all you guys. Uh, well, that song started with Jeff. He kind of made the track, and he had the guitar, that like thing, and I kind of sang some, and I like ripped off some like Arabic sounding. It was actually African thing. It's just like a test almost, and it just had such a weird two snakes melody from the future effect that I just yeah, I was real excited. It was the record was almost done, and Jeff kind of sent the song and. And then the song was pretty much done, and Jake mentioned uh, uh, maybe it should have another part, and I had just kind of written this thing that I almost thought sounded like, it's funny, a band I really actually don't really, not a, don't listen to ever, 
uh, but uh, you're like girls on film. I kind of that I lost, but like I kind of had that thing, <laughs> and so I just thought, oh, maybe that part like is more you know kind of straightforward, I guess. But then of course I, it felt too boring, and then I was thinking we were in Paris and we heard all these all these cart street vendor guys had this like they were listening to this I don't know from what country, but like uh, you know Middle Eastern vocoder uh, auto tune thing. All these songs had that vibe, and so I was like, oh, let me try that for fun. And so that was the kind of in-betweens of the end, and that's my story. I think we all got yeah, um, into that direction of music, too, with the artist name. I don't know how to pronounce it right, but Madhu Mokhtar. I don't know if anyone. It's M-D-O-U-M-O-C-T-A-R. Incredible guitarist and singer. Yeah. I was going to say Amir, the other guitarist, he had this crazy Schumann pedal. Is that what it's called? Schumann? Yeah. And um, it's like a $4,000 pedal. Guitar. <laughs> it's the most expensive guitar pedal probably anywhere in the world. There's actually living animals and inside it. And he borrowed it from somebody and he brought it in the room. And I remember, because I play guitar as well, we both play guitar. And, and, and when I heard the pedal come on, I was like... Okay, I have to stand down to that pedal because I had no pedals in my arsenal that could compete with that pedal. And then Amir just started playing along with that riff. I yeah, think maybe riff. you asked him to play that riff, and the guitar work on that is so incredible. It's like, you know, all that crazy scratching. A lot of yeah, people might even Amir. pick up that that's a guitar. Right. But so Jeff might had that melody, but like, you know, when the guitar got put on it, I was just blown away. And just when I heard it, I just was like, that's perfect, you know. Yeah, and some of and, my favorite Amir guitar player yeah. ever, for sure. So he he came strong on that song, and so I think that played a big role in that song. Just that that's that that sound and just the way he played it, and and um and then in the ending of it is as that part that you put in there was always like that really blew me away too. I just uh, from the minute I heard that song, I just for me I was a fan of the song myself. And I was just like, wow, this is exactly like my favorite song. And it's my favorite song on the record. So I feel like it, it kind of shows the degree of freedom you guys are allowing yourself musically. Like there aren't really any boundaries to what this band needs to be sonically. It feels like you're going all wherever you want, pretty much. Is that is that kind of part of the idea here? I mean, I think we all really like, uh, you know, eclectic types of stuff and like underground music from all parts of the world and I, I and I always sorry if I'm repeating myself but haven't done interviews in a long time um <laughs> just the I really thought just with the internet you know I really thought at the beginning of the internet too like or not the beginning but like YouTube whatever five to ten years ago I really felt like oh man you can hear anything and just any kind of you know style of music from any country and uh and i really thought man music's gonna get crazy and there's gonna be all this stuff and that just like totally did not happen because mm. of i don't know if it's spotify or just like top 10 top 40 generating playlist vibes i mean yes it'll like it'll like uh maybe you know recommend a misfit song you might like but it's like it's really just i'm really just kind of I'm surprised at how not worldly and underground, universal, cool world music has like uh, permeated. I mean, it does a little bit, but not. It's more like about scientifically profitable mainstream music because when you just look at the numbers, and not that I give a shit about statistics, but just you know, you go to YouTube and you see like, oh, like all my favorite stuff has like a hundred thousand to a million versus like the billions and billions and billions of you know pop stuff it's just kind of like oh geez so there's like for every cool music fan there's what like 200 and 300,000 like people that like you know one direction i, I was just confusing sorry i don't know am i everyone out no 
but, but it sounds like you're sort of being the change you want to you want to see in the world, doing yes. the kind of music you wish. Like Gandhi was, uh, said. Yeah, as, as to, to quote Gandhi in a completely incongruous <laughs> context, uh, that's what we're here for. Well, we were talking. change. We were talking about, that, the music talking about that last night about just everything, like everything that we all do, and the voids, and be it whatever, anything, just any band, anything that we touch, like a cultural movement. Like I think that's what's necessary like um the only like if you th if you just think about it as your band and i don't think it's enough it's like even the videos that we do or the are the teasers that we do or the art everything that we touch or do we try to like physically touch it ourselves and not just like here rca take this or this and we don't really care like we just want to go on stage and do, we we try to like look at every piece that we have and we make our own videos and with assistance from other people that we have worked with the whole time, Warren Fu, people like that, and um, Sean Everett, our producer, pro with this record and our first record. So it's a cultural movement thing, I think, like, you know, with Sean, with even any band, The Voids, The Strokes, whatever it is, it's like we're a, f a group of musicians and friends all trying to push music in a direction that's better than where it's at now, you know. There's people like Ariel Pink. And yeah. Who else? Uh, We'd love to tour with all those yeah, bands. Yeah, we'd love to do one massive tour with all the, all of our favorite and cool, and, and make a big cultural. You were movement. starting <laughs> to make a list that started and ended with Ario Pank. Who, who else uh, would be in that that list? You know, Blood Orange, Mac DeMarco. Uh, I mean, I, such listen listen to such random eclectic stuff. There's a lot of awesome bands that have like one or two cool new songs that I know that I might not know their whole arsenal. So, I guess the main. The borders are almost like financial constraints. Like you can, like yeah, creatively we don't have any kind of constraints, but I guess we want to also have people hear it too. <laughs> I don't know. You said uh, you told one of my colleagues that you felt like on your solo album you were thinking too much about what people might want to hear. Well, yeah, I thought because to be honest, I kind of had like written. I kind of almost divided stuff into two categories, which I kind of uh, I don't regret because I'm so happy where I ended up now, but. At the time, I I kind of regretted. I basically had stuff that I liked that was weird, that was, you know, not in a key, not like going by musical rules and weird and dark and stuff that I personally really loved. And then there was more like kind of, I don't want to say happy sounding, but safer sounding stuff that I thought, okay, if I venture out alone and I do this, you know, people might just think it's some weird side vanity, like, don't listen to this thing. <laughs> So I kind of went with the more kind of safer stuff, and also I recorded all in the box, and like which I regretted as soon as we started rehearsing for the first solo thing. I was like, "Oh no!" I realized like this song should be faster, and that part's too long, and and writing songs with the box live, meaning Pro Tools, yeah, yeah, yeah. Writing with musicians is really my, what I love to do, and or you know, bouncing off people and doing it like live in the room is kind of I think really where it's at. And so there was a couple, yeah, so there's like many layers of kind of regrets, and then the, the, and then afterwards it was a long quest to find like cool like dream team musical soulmates and um, a wavelength of like the kind of stuff I wanted to do, and uh, took a long time, but then eventually there was the voids, and I think we, yeah, you know, dialed a little a little bit of a distant date into the time machine, and I think uh, I think what, with this last record we kind of wanted to make a record that still was forward thinking, but that maybe more mainstream bigger audience would love as much as we loved the first record leave it in my dreams is the other song that came out and it's another great song perhaps not as wildly experimental as the other track but but really cool and kind of a i hate to say it, but kind of a classic julian chorus 
like it, it really it feels like you it feels familiar while being amidst fresh stuff are, are you aware of that thing i just kind of mentioned that you have things that might sound familiar that might be that might be moves or sounds that we associate with you is that something because i know there are artists you know it's like there's a famous bob dylan story like they told him in you know in the late seventies or early eighties like have you tried it like what if you just you know played an acoustic guitar and harmonica and he's like that but that would be how Bob Dylan would do it was his answer like he's so aware of you know what people expect so how does all that work for you uh, no I I really just because wherever we're at wherever we're listening to whatever we want to make is kind of like you always want to move forward and I think that I've experienced that I've been to studios and I'm like you know. Maybe I'm like howling or I'm just, you know, I'm, we're doing a song I'm like, can you just do the, the Julian thing? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, like, you know, what, like sing like Lou Reed or like, what are you, what are you, what exactly? I can, I think I can, I can imitate almost, I can imitate most kind of musical styles and people. So I can also imitate my old self. So there's that's like a, not what I was doing. There's like a Pro Tools plugin that they put on. It's just a Julian thing. <laughs> there probably is one. Let's face it. Yeah. Like a first first two strokes album vocal sound plugin. I, I bet someone's probably made one. Not to scare you. <laughs> I mean, no, it's. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I can I can access it, but I I'm just interested in whatever I think sounds cool, and I'm not trying to just bury the past. But I I guess yeah, repeating it I guess is smart maybe financially, but it's boring to me creatively. And let's hear Leave It In My Dreams for a moment. What do you guys remember about that song coming together? Uh, well, Jake came up. His, the verse is uh, the keyboard part was just a Jake song that was really cool, and um, we played that. And then the chorus, I think, was something that I I brought in the chords. I didn't really have a singing. Actually, I had a different melody for for it. And then we played it as a band, and um, I did that one riff that da ba ba ba, and you were like, "What is that riff?" I was like, "It's nothing." <laughs> It's a hit. It is I was like, no. That, and that's another good point is that when we're when we're in the room, Julian will just be recording every incremental little thing that is like said or done, like and that things that maybe we think aren't important. Well, you not know? everything, like some like no. essay creep. I just if, yeah. some, if something cool is happening, if something's I will cool, he'll be like, mark that basically, and that then song, so that oh. song was a, a classic, Mister Potato Head. I yeah, think that, exactly. Because uh, a lot of us, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're always exchanging, you know, either full blown songs, ideas that we've written, or just parts or beats or progression and. And we'll just kind of slap them together sometimes when we're together. If it makes sense, we'll slow one down, change a key. And I think that was a result of a pretty quick uh, Mr. Potato Head assembly. Exactly. So you're referring to the overdubbing process as a Mr. Potato Head assembly. Not the overdub, the writing process. The writing, song. okay. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, like for, you the know, chorus, like... The verse and like the bridge are all from different homes. Right, exactly. Like I, I had written... Right, I had written the verse thing, and I think I sent it to Jules, like, hey, what do you think of this? I had actually liked the chorus part that I'd written that was attached to it, but he, he gravitated towards the um, the verse, and I was like, cool, and he said he thought he had a thing, and we once we were all together in the room, we tried it, and we were messing around, and Jeremy had that, that sort of floating intro piece, and we, were, and we yeah. like tagged it in, and yeah, so it came together pretty quick, actually. 
It's um, it takes time to get the I say because tyranny happened and we did that and I was like, we we had just met and so fast forward to this record and it's like I think it takes experience and like becoming friends and becoming closer with each other to be open with each other to like give you know give each other like ideas or like be like that could be cool here and accept that because a lot of times people are like well, no i'm not gonna that's my course and like i already wrote the course for it like none of us are like like that we're like you know and that's how i think great songs can be made just like so we'll put them together like that but then when we record them it's a whole it's a long process really a lot longer than people think and that's another good note with the voids is that we ne we weren't under any, any pressure or deadline to like you have to finish this you know we just collected a lot of ideas and vented them and tried them and put them in different orders and then recorded them and recorded them again and again and you know to add to that um yeah i feel like there's two two thoughts when you just said that one is yeah you kind of put all this work to kind of just make it seem like casual and easy which is i think a important trick mm, that's kind of that's always been your trick hasn't like it? a magician yeah like <laughs> meticulously you know posing like you don't care um <laughs> but no i but the, but also there's another aspect that i gotta say is more the music part i feel like especially you know us together it's just it's really like easy in a weird way and i feel like we could probably make like a record a month if we had time and you know resources and logistics it's just it's more the logistics of everything that's so hard and this to like get everything you know we so it took a while but the music part, I don't think, took that long, mm -hmm. maybe. No, I mean, I think that song was, the take that wound up on the record was maybe like the third practice take we yeah. did. And we're mm -hmm. like, and I, you know, I think we did more after that, but we were like, oh shit, that was like loose and cool. If and you can get us all in a room together, and that's the logistical right. side, is like, well, get everyone together in a room and stay there for two, whatever amount of time. We can just crank them out, man, with ideas and have fun. And we have these wild jams and... There's so many things right now that I'm thinking of that we I have a lot of have. shit to go through. And, you know... Yeah, we started going through some stuff already. It's like, just oh, like geez. new ideas, even, just from the when we were rehearsing, you know, just Too like much. we... It's insane. Mm. I don't think that happens that... I don't think that happens... Like, you get a group of guys together, and it's like, that just happens when you get a group of people together. I think... It just doesn't. I, I actively you know? stop writing songs, because it's making me crazy. <laughs> I know. Digital order. <laughs> no. I, I don't let myself play the guitar or write songs, because there's just too much... To I like your I new method, listen. though. The new method, it's just, may I reveal it? The, what is it? Well, <laughs> you're just, instead of, like, you just sort of, like, hum a quick idea for, like, four seconds of each part, like... Michael Jackson oh. said, "Like here's the like the beat. You're like, and the bass like boom, 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 and like that's it. <laughs> and like, all right, let's put that on tape. That is okay. that's Michael Jackson. That's yeah, the that's that. the Michael Jackson technique. Although huh? his demos sounded like, I remember I was in a diner the other day by myself, and the this, it was Thriller, but it was like, oh yeah, like, yeah, Starlight. That was the demo. Yeah, I didn't know that, and yeah. I was just like, I was like, and I just kind of leaned over to some, I don't know, some college fratty or jockey. I don't know. I was just like." <laughs> whatever they're nice looking guys with jogging outfits right um yeah i was like is this i just had to ask i was like is this what is like 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 the starlight like well, what they say and it was like i think this is thriller and i was like yeah no shit but i'm saying like are they singing like thrill starlight and then you texted me later it was right. like the demo yeah of thriller they made, God, a, wise choice. It. They made a wise choice <laughs> I like yeah. that you had faith that these random fratty college kids would would have the answer that. Well, you it was did not, there was yeah. a girl on my yeah, right. Okay. There was some guys, and I was like, "You guys hear this song like Starlight? Like, what, what the fuck are we listening to?" Because yeah. uh, you know, if someone else, and they were just like, "Don't talk to me." 
This is, this is a new era. We don't talk to strangers. I'm enjoying my avocado toast right now, sir. <laughs> avocado toast. You referred to the room. Like, where is this, like, the actual process work? Where do you guys go to collaborate? What's the deal? Amir's house? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we go to, I mean, we've, like, for this record, we went to Amir's house just because logistically it's easier because a lot of us live in L.A. And, um, and just to, you know, financially, it just makes more sense for julian to come out to us because we have a space there that we can use our other guitarist amir he has a nice studio that he built outside of his house we put our own gear in there what we wanted and just basic kind of type of stuff and it's like it feels like a home and that's kind of like coolest thing about it because we're not in a rush we're not in a studio like hey you guys are on like the clock here you have to get done we just hang out sometimes we go there and we just hang out there's this ever present not ever present, but in many songs, a sense of sort of uh, rising doom and fear of the world. Julian, one song you talk about uh, that, it, you know, we're in Germany, 1939. Where's that coming from? Not that I have to jump too far to guess, but what's uh, what was on your mind as you kind of went there in the lyrics? Hmm. Um, <laughs> how to not be controversial with what I'm about to say. <laughs> um... It would be easy to kind of jump to the whole like ICE and like Gestapo or whatever secret police thing. But at the time, it was actually more probably a weird thought that again, uh, when you think of like race relations and issues in America, I think for me, that's probably the number one kind of issue to deal with personally. Um, and uh, obviously we've like backtracked in many ways. The, kind of, that's the biggest depressing thing is the kind of progressive steps of the past and even in my era youth kind of like going back on those things but it's almost like an understanding of a weird thing where like with the police thing which is such a symbolic subject you know um more than obviously there's like economic and and, and, and bigger actual things to fix it but i think the number one thing with the police brutality is um just the symbolic thing of it. You know, I think people sometimes take for granted, you know, just how police make them feel safe. And if you just, if you feel the opposite, it's a pretty, you know, hard thing to swallow. So I think it was more like, um, almost like the yellow David star that they would do in Germany. It's almost like, you know, uh, in America, it's like if people are arrested, you know, there's, you know, black people, it's like, you don't have to like, they're, they obviously have like, feel like they have a target sometimes when they interact with police. So I think that was that what I meant with that line. If that makes sense. Sure. Too far, not far enough. I don't know. I'm just trying to keep it clean. <laughs> well, that was the Goldilocks of answers. <laughs> well said. In a good way. Do you have a general sense of, of doom hanging over you? Do you feel like that there's an apocalypse or social collapse possibly coming? I The weird, and this is going to maybe sound silly, but it's like a weird thing to me how like uh, movies like Star Wars and The Matrix, not that you necessarily have to be like a big Star Wars buff or that I am, but they kind of have like a kind of similar, like an accurate, weirdly coincidental accurate, where like the early ones where there's like the Empire and the Rebellion fighting them, and it's kind of like, that's kind of basically what we have a little bit. And um, with, you know, corporations, I'm for them, and I think a society should have great, big, happy corporations, but obviously the excess overstep, exploitation, evil excess part has kind of become more powerful than government, so blah, blah, blah. My point is, is that there was this kind of the dissident voices like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and they used to, you know, you'd see them a little bit in the mainstream. And now it's so repressed 
and so kind of uh, you know 10 people that have to go to like rt to like speak their opinion and now they're trying to shut rt down you know it's like it's almost like the new star wars where it's like there's like you know 10 people left on a ship and that's like the re- that's like the resistant that's like all that's left well, a lot of people think that well, i'm not going to get a debate about russia today but a lot of people think it's you know it's pro propaganda well, it is obviously, okay, but, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that it's like, uh, it's at like the same you, time, it's giving voice to American dissidents. It's that's the only, kind of, it's yeah, the only way that okay. they can actually, oh. it's not that they're like, obviously don't maybe watch like the, the nightly news, but they're giving shows to like people like Jesse Ventura and Chris Hedges and they're not telling them what to say. They're just obviously like trying to like, it's, it's like if you want to go to Russia and speak truth to Putin, you know, maybe you have to be like on an American television show or something. Anyway, I'm not saying RT is the answer, but my point is, is that the whole argument, the whole, the whole mainstream resistance to Trump, I think, completely misses the point. And, and so, you know, I think he's just like a symbolic facade puppet of like the real problems that, you know. So I just think, um, I think that there is like, you know, always this hope, you know, there's the internet, you know, maybe it hasn't been tapped in properly. Maybe there is this chance that somehow like something could catch on and, and, and things could change. So definitely like not hopeless but definitely and again i always talk about in terms of a parallel with music what i was bringing up earlier about that's what i was thinking it's the same idea of like the potential that people thought was there is not necessarily happening the way that people expected yeah yeah uh, yeah. it's like uh quality and music is kind of very parallel to truth in you know politics and i think that both are at an all-time mega repressed minority but there is the internet so there is hope with the internet obviously you guys have no problem collaborating there's you know the the vibe is there you can you can collaborate in any any number of ways but your whole thing for a long time was you know soul song you had you had soul songwriting credit for a long time i think you once used the word like iron-fisted control or something and you're obviously a perfectionist you know what you want to hear it seems like you're pretty comfortable that there's a bunch of shared credits with these guys it's a collaborative thing so how's it all work for you just the general idea of like i can control this or i can let it go i i'm i'm a perfectionist but i can learn to live with it how's all that working for you as as an artist uh the truth is i just want to be part of something that's cool and positive and amazing and next level and that's like i know it's a team effort i know like by myself i can't do everything or aren't aren't good enough or smart enough to, to to know it all or do it all and I think that um, having the honor and privilege to work with these dudes and friends and brothers and, and yeah, it's just a dream come true. And it's uh, when you kind of have that trust and um, I think that's the ideal. And uh, I think that there are high standards though. And I think that we all have come together from our own worlds, but six people that kind of, you know, are very different, but just socially and musically really works for some reason. And I think... Um, the it's not about uh control it's just about like maybe quality assurance and i think if it's there then it's great and only when it's you're dealing maybe with situations where people are just kind of like you know wanting to phone it in then 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 there's all then there's friction i imagine sometimes like um julian is a, a curator and an artist and he sort of has a gallery and where the other artists he's invited to be part of it and i think we all i mean he, is the curator so we always have a sense of 
you know, the, he's sort of the tip of the spear in terms of the vision and, and stuff of how it should go. But he is wide open in terms, and, and, and really, it's with everyone, it's wide open in terms of what ideas are on the table and suggestions and what direction we go. But um, I think Julian's a master curator. I think when he got this band together, we all almost didn't even see it. We didn't see it before he did, because we, we're six very different dudes with, you know, like the Venn diagram overlap. Like, there's amounts that overlap, but. I think a lot of bands are like, hey, we're all four into the same music and we all dress the fucking same and we blah, 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 blah. And we're not that. So, hmm. But we kind of do have similar tastes of like, yeah. agree the, what's great, like undeniable things. I for sure. The overlap is, is, is like the good parts. I'm, I'm, it's important to think of, <laughs> it's not about ability because ability is important, obviously, for a band like The Voids because it's, you know, but it's more about like connections, for, I mean, at least for me, like, I felt like a connection with like the minute I walked into the rehearsal, I mean, whatever it was, audition rehearsal thing, because I came in a little later than Jake and Jeff and them, and I was like, went in and played, and it just was the most bizarre thing, because it was just some bizarre ideas that were there, like early, early tyranny kind of vibe things, and and I was like, okay, I guess I'll never see any of these guys again, because I was putting my stuff back in the car, and I'm like, yeah, that was fun. And then, <laughs> then like two weeks later, I get a call. You want to go to New York and record? And I was like, sure, I'll, let's do that. Oh, we but, recorded in LA. Oh yeah, but now when the, that was yeah, we did it, Sean's. But then we went to New York. Oh, you thought like two weeks? I thought that was it. Yeah, I think we had like jam hang, not rehearsal, but like, hey, let maybe we think, yeah. and then we did a recording version. So of that what I'm saying too. is that. I've been in those situations before. I've been in other bands. I've been alone. And there's just not, just because you put five guys, six guys, four guys together, that doesn't mean there's going to be magic there. Yeah. That's, 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 I've been in many events like that. And that's, that's like, this is the first band I've ever been in that where it felt like something, we were doing something real and not just trying to like make a song for the radio or it just felt like everybody was already over that in their life. And we wanted to do something special, something artistic, something new, you know? For sure. Julian, I mean, I think something people would fundamentally wonder is someone is, was, is in a, a very famous and accomplished band. This is a, a different band. You know, what does this band provide for you on a creative level that your other band doesn't? Why do you need this outlet? I feel like you could probably just listen to the record and maybe figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, it's just... I don't know how to answer that. I mean, again, it's like this kind of. I think if I was if I was completely honest, it would be harmless. But like you know, taken out of context by like you know annoying. Me like I don't care about what like a newspaper or media headline would be. But it's just sometimes if it's it's more about like the, the people you know and how it affects. You know what I mean? Someone like would read something and taken out of context by enemy. And then, like, enemy can say whatever they want, I don't care, but then, like, if it's, like, then a friend calls me and is like, hey, man, I was really bummed that you, you know, and it's like, ah, I didn't, and I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. So, like, you know, Strokes are brothers and will always be, and, you know, I think that we have a chemistry, too. You play that, that many hours together, just that alone, and you just, you have, uh, you know, communication, and, and I don't feel the need to, you know, um kind of you know shut that off for any specific reason if i have free time <laughs> but uh but at the same time my personal vision quest from day one has not altered and i think that hmm. you can't tell other people what to do 
and I don't want to tell other people what to do. And I think that with the voids, I think we're on the same wavelength. And with the strokes, it's more like everyone does what they do. And I think that I just kind of, I, I'm more about getting along and not about like, you know, tension or toxic, you know what I mean? I don't want to like, I don't want to have to disagree. You know what I mean? I just want to work with people you agree on. And it's not that we disagree. It's just that if I was trying to do a song like Curious, I wouldn't want to have to like convince people against their will to do it. Do you know what I mean? Not that they wouldn't want to do it, but maybe in the past, there are things that I've wanted to do. There's many things I've wanted to do that I haven't been able to do. So I feel like uh, I'm all for collaboration and I'm all for like, you know, best ideas in the room win. And I think that... uh, to my objective judgment, that was not always happening. Do you find that people are trying to drag you into the past? I've, I've noticed, you know, you're out promoting this new album and I see people asking you about like a, a purported feud with Ryan Adams from like a million years ago and, and like things that are like, you know, it, it, I think that any artist faces as when they've made great stuff in the past and they're still making great stuff now, it's like people want to talk about 2004 or whatever. Is that is, is that something you find? Is it something that irritates you? Or how do you deal with, with that when you, have, when you have like this iconic moment of you when you're still and yet you're moving forward and making great stuff now? How do you deal with that? It doesn't irritate me. It, it doesn't. Um, I just don't care so much. I don't think about it so much. I don't. <laughs> Only when I'm faced with it. The Ryan Adams thing wasn't that long ago. Uh, again, I... Uh, oh, I, right. I guess it's a recent feud based on events from a long time ago. Right, yes, yeah. I don't think it's a feud. Yeah, I mean, maybe or it's whatever, a one-way yeah. feud. I don't know. I, I don't think people should get thrown out under the bus like he did in the book, but um, I don't really care about the book either. So I wish it well, and I wish Lizzie well, and I... Uh, it's just I'm not interested in it. More generally, that idea of past work, future work. Do you think about stuff you've done in the in the past? We talked about this sort of signature sound. Like, how how conscious are you of your past image and what people expect from you musically, and and how much do you just not think about that and make pure music? What you want to make? Um, God, I don't even know how to answer that. I think you make music half for yourself and half for other people. So I guess I've had to take things into consideration, maybe. I mean, I I just want, I think the the thing is, is it's not just about making crazy art and uh, and not care. I think it's, you want to do something that's creatively cool and original and, uh, and, and somehow make it mainstream. And it was the same, you know, goal with like cult and stuff to try to, you know, and the strokes too at the beginning. It's just try to do something that's like cool and not, you know, and to combat the mainstream stuff that's maybe uh, not as interesting to me. So that quest hasn't changed in terms of old stuff. I don't really think about it. It just feels like another battle, another time in my life or something. I don't know. Do you guys think of this band as a rock band? Only when I want to answer the question quickly when someone asks me what kind of music I play. (laughs) I definitely don't. I definitely don't. How do you think of it? I think of it like prison jazz. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think of it modern, like a modern, a modern sound. Like, like when I look at art, like if I look at like a, like I, I don't know, if I look at like a Pollock painting or something, like it just reminds me of like like an abstract painting. Sometimes, sometimes it reminds me of like a very like classical painting. Like it's just, I think it's like a, it's just a rock band is like four guys just drumming on basses and guitars, really. Whatever, you know. What would you call it? Rock. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) 
I think there's elements of rock in it. It's mm. a band. I mean, like, I'm not sure there are any rock. There's not that many rock bands, you know? It's, True. Uh, and a lot of what, when people talk about indie, a lot of it isn't, a lot of it isn't indie rock anymore. Like, what would you consider the gorillas to be? Probably something like what you guys are. <laughs> That's what I mean, like something yeah, like, or yeah, like, yeah, I'm not, yeah, not to say that yeah. we're trying to be any of these bands, yeah, but like yeah. Radiohead, like, um, like in, in elements of like Kid A or something like that, it's like, it's like they could be a rock band, but they could also be like modern. So is Bon Jovi. So it's like a uh, weird, but yeah. not, to, not to sound like a twat, but that's yeah. kind of what the band name is about is that, that we exist. We don't know. We it's like exist a void in between of, the yeah. existence of everything else. <laughs> um, I don't know. We don't, we don't try to like do any of that. I don't know. I just, we just go in a room with us and try to make cool music and, We'll let everyone else decide what they want to put on us. So yes, we're a rock band. Yes, rock and roll. <laughs> but see, it's a weirdly productive question. My uh, my colleague asked uh, Johnny Greenwood if Radiohead were a rock band recently, and he got so mad. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I get. I think it's also just yeah. I mean, maybe like a white singer who doesn't sing too good. <laughs> it has to be or something. I don't know. Like yeah, I was at Nam and I saw a rock. I saw a rock band there. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, in in hip hop. People now talk about rapidity rap, which is hip hop that's that's very a little bit old fashioned and it's kind of like technically oriented and maybe as as melodic as. Wow. And sounds I was, insulting. Yeah, it is insulting. It's like it's basically like dad rap, you know. And so I was thinking we need a, a term, rockity rock. So we need yeah. new yeah, names. Yeah. We need new names now. Rockity rock is like the first Def Leppard album or something, you know, just like rock, you know. So you're not rockity rock, that's for sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think. That's I mean, there's like a lot of cool, like because the thing is you know metal has is such a Precious. thing but i feel like there's like like a mount rush like it's like velvet underground we were talking about the other day it's yeah. like velvet underground uh, you know the stooges black sabbath and that's kind of almost in terms of like heavier but like melodically cool forward or even maybe the doors because they were you know um you know more like musically advanced in in like the kind of velvet underground like during the beatles basically i almost feel like there's like a veering off like the beatles everything because i think that that was, i was thinking actually this morning about it because in my hotel there's like a revolver album not an actual anyway um <laughs> put a gun in my mouth every morning thank god um <laughs> dude <laughs> <laughs> no i just think i'm almost i'm a, i'm a, i'm kind of like i have that maybe advantage that i didn't like or listen to the beatles or something hmm. and i feel like that's almost like the branch of like 98 percent of stuff you hear but then there's like i think velvet underground i know lou reed hated the beatles and um obviously loved john lennon too but um not obviously but anyway so yeah i think there's like a so there's a lot of hard music that you know maybe misfits kind of come close but anyway my point is kind of like harder music yeah there's not really in i mean it's like you know you can't i don't want you don't want to say metal because i mean we don't know that's not like a what we do but uh there's definitely elements of that that we love so i don't know punk is too kind of it's almost like it has to be about like rage and like non-skill you know what i mean so it's like a weird jazz meets you know we're what we to, wish metal was we're back to prison jazz yeah. Yeah. another yeah. good yeah. band would be hip-hop we all love hip-hop like daft punk's another good uh, gorillas the kind of thing like like with these bands that are doing like this modern expressionist kind of thing so i don't know um call it what you will i love rapidity rap <laughs> rapidity rap <laughs> let's just respect your elders <laughs> So you're listening to Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm Brian Hyatt. That was me interviewing Julian Casablancas in The Voids. 
And we'll be back next week here on Sirius XM's Volume Channel 106 at 1 p.m. on Friday on Eastern Time. In the meantime, download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, or wherever. And maybe leave us a nice review, especially on iTunes. Anyway, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord! We get it! They have chemistry! Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.